You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming. We've already had a taste of it. We had some just last night, and you'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your or exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that is used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company Custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNBR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. You can call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their inventory online at mygreensolution.com. You can reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout and you'll be in and out in minutes. Plus, you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are here to answer a bunch of your questions on another Thursday, as the Avs seem to like playing on Fridays quite a bit this month. Obviously, the big question on everyone's mind that we're just going to kind of lump all of you who asked this together in the first segment, Miko Rantanen is out. The update sounds like it's a week-to-week situation. There's no tears or anything like that. We'll know more sometime next week. When it comes to replacing him, things are also starting to become a bit clearer as well. AJ, it sounds like they want to give comp for the opportunity there. What do you make of that? Well, this is the value of of comp right? Like, yeah, of course, the the ability to move anywhere in the lineup, essentially. Right, when they gave him the four-year deal at three and a half, they said, hey, what we really like about this kid and committing four years to him is that he can do lots of stuff. He can move all over. And he can he can play him in the middle six. Right now we've got him on the top line. But we're a big fan of his ability to move around. And that's the number one thing that you really liked with him uh, was the versatility. 
And it sucks that we are nine games into the season and having to see the Avs utilize that. But you do have to feel like this is essentially your roster working as intended because you're never going to replace Miko Rantanen, but you can at least remain productive while he's out. And I think Confer's as good a bet to do that as any. And uh, I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fine with this. Um, it's not what I would have done, but at least there's logic to it that you can get behind. Hey, your fourth line has been really solid. Your second line just had a great road trip. Don't mess with success, you know, and you trust that Landis Gog and McKinnon are, hey, those are two of your, now your two best forwards. Okay, we believe in those guys going forward, so we're going to keep them together and we're just going to move somebody up there. Uh, and so now Comfort gets that chance. And from a logic standpoint, it's hard to argue with. And since that's where I begin the vast majority of my arguments about anything, I'm I'm on board with a, at least that part of it. At, at least there's reasoning behind it that I can say, hey, this this makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I do understand the reasoning. I like Comfer. I think he's capable of filling that role, at least short term. To some extent, I understand why they might want to avoid Burakovsky in that role. But Bednar also mentioned Donskoy as a possible player to play in that spot. And I am I think I would be a little bit more comfortable in it, with Donskoy sitting in that role. But if you're comparing and contrasting the two, it's just what you want to get out of Comfer is, is going to be more of a shooter, at least so far mm-hmm. through his NHL career. He's been more of a shooter. And you run into that same problem of, of McKinnon shoots a billion shots a game. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I you're dead. You're dead right in that stylistically. Donskoy, since we've seen him be a lot more of a, a differential playmaker type and a a very creative puck handler and guy that is a strong possession player, would have would make a lot of sense there. One hundred percent. I also think that he does a lot of good work next to Kadri and Burakovsky. So it's. It's hard for me to really feel strongly about not breaking up that second line when we just saw the road trip that they had. And I get that there's the logic in that. I also don't know, you know, if if Miko's out for three weeks, I imagine we'll see all combinations eventually tried. All realistic combinations, I should say. Uh, eventually tried. Um, Comfort to start off with is I feel like the easiest one to do with the least amount of upsetting the rest of your lineup. And I think that was probably a big factor in this for Bednar is so much of my forward core is rolling really well right now. I'm just not going to mess with as with very much of it. And he wants to leave as much as he can intact and let them kind of play their way into needing changes. And that's fine. I mean, when your roster is rolling, man, you really don't want to touch it too much. That's a fair point. I guess my question would be, how much leash does Comfer get then? If he comes into that top line and is clearly not being effective in game one, does he get three games, five games? Does he get two periods? Where does that line get drawn? Two things. Uh, Game situation will matter a lot in that answer. And just how much the other line, like if Jost all of a sudden is badly struggling next to Wilson and Nachushkin, uh, and then Comfer is not working on that top line. 
it may not even take two periods for them to make that switch. I mean, if it just does not work in a game, you'll see it pretty quickly. You don't need an extended period of time to see these guys adjust and, you know, to have an extended period of success. Totally. Like you need to, you need to give them a little bit of opportunity, but if something is very much not working, it's usually obvious right away. And you can, you can make a change. Um, if, if you have to, uh, I, that said, I would expect that the, the lines, you know, just given Bedner's history and his patience, uh, I, I would fully expect that, that they get most of the, the game tomorrow to, to stay together, uh, just to, just to see how they go. And then barring any other injuries, whatever, then, you know, probably you'll want to on a back to back, you'll probably just want to keep it rolling. And then you have three days off again to reassess and maybe look at something else and try something else out in practice. But with two back-to-backs coming up, I mean, or with the, with a back-to-back coming up, um, you're probably just saying, hey, we're going to go in and we're going to try this for right now. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest with this. The way you replace Ranton in his by committee, no one's going right. to come in, doesn't matter who it is, and just completely replace his production on that top line. Totally. So I can drink to the fact that I still have confidence in the Avs' depth when it comes to replacing Rantanen. It's still a very, very solid lineup that you're looking at. Also very, very solid is the beers from our official beer of DNVR at Breckenridge Brewery. They're the original Colorado beer established here in 1990 in Breckenridge, of course. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about most of their beers. Today, we're talking about the Avalanche Amber, which is their classic American Amber Ale. It's one they've made for basically since their inception, I think. It's one of their very, very first beers. And hey, I mean... Anytime I get to talk about anything with the name Avalanche in it, I'm feeling pretty good about my day. And that's most days. So when it's an Avalanche beer, that's a double win for me. I will take it anytime I can get it. Be sure to keep your eyes peeled for this one. It is everywhere, literally. I think every liquor store just about across the entire country can get this beer. So keep an eye out at your local Davidson's or any other liquor store for that matter. And make sure to keep an eye on the Breckenridge event calendar over on the DNVR.com. We just launched it a couple months ago now, and it's been really fun getting out to some of these watch parties and tailgates and things like that. And having some few, having a few Breck brews, including free ones at the Broncos watch parties and tailgates we've been doing. So I don't know how to sell it any better than that. Go get free Breck beer and hang out with the DNVR crew. Make it happen. Back into Rantanen, Confer, Donskoy, Burkowski. What is the next step as far as the power play is concerned? They're slotting in Confer on power play one, which I understand that a lot more than putting him on the top line because you can fit a Confer into that top power play kind of as that bumper guy and as much as I don't like the Av system, it's pretty easy to hide an extra body there. It it is, and I think it could be a revolving door. Yeah, um, especially if they find out next week. Oh, hey, this is only going to be another, you know, week. Then uh, I would say that they they probably will try a lot of different things. Uh, if this ends up being closer to the four to six weeks and they, you know, when they reassess next week and that's really what they're feeling like is, hey, this is going to be more like four. Uh, I think they'll try and go with more stability. 
um, because you do want your roster to eventually settle into that. And knowing that Rantanen is coming back, you know, you do want to be able to say, hey, when he comes back pretty quickly, uh, we want our guys to be able to go back to being in comfortable spots with these other dudes. So I really think they're, I think they're, they're overshooting here because I don't think it's realistic that Comfort is your long-term answer here. Otherwise, we would have seen a very different Comfort the last two years. But if it works and they're, they're, they're just fine, that's great. Like, you're not going to complain about that. You just rock and roll. And then, you know, when, when Rantanen comes back, you just yeah. put it back how it was. <laughs> how much of this falls on Nathan McKinnon being the player everyone's waiting for him to be this year? Because it's got to happen. That, yeah. Yeah, it that's where it sits, right? I mean, huh. let's be honest, Landeskog has not played great over the last handful of games either. So, really the team needs McKinnon to step up. Yeah, the last game I really felt really strongly about Landeskog's play was probably Washington. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's been a it's been a bit of a struggle since that own goal against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm well, and I mean, he was awful in that whole game leading up to the own goal had he been had he been good and had been the own goal he would have just kind of been like "Ah, whatever but that was really like the 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 you know the rotted cherry on top of a poop sunday it was just such a mess man it was it was the whole and and it has not gotten particularly better you know he wasn't he wasn't very good against florida he got the tip against uh tampa bay that was nice, but that was what the fifth goal, fourth goal. Yeah, I think that made it four one, right? So you know, which which did kind of like put that game away, because after that, like once you're at three one and you're like, oh, next goal really matters, and then you get to that next goal and it's like, eh, okay, it's pretty much game. And the tip was nice. Oh yeah, but but I mean, you're the more concerning thing that we both talked about is the defensive side hasn't been there. And that's his biggest selling point on that top line is that defensive responsibility. So last year was a breakout year. Obviously, it was a big year for Landeskog offensively. But defensively, I felt that league-wide, he was very, very, very underrated. Very. And I wrote an article about it and said, hey... He does not have the reputation of a Mark Stone, but and I don't I don't think he's quite on that level, but I think that he should be working his way into the into that conversation. And so far this year that has not been the case. He has not kept up that pace defensively. Uh that impact that he had last year is way down. Um I am I'm nervous that last year was like peak Landeskog in a lot of ways. And that playing next to McKinnon is going to inflate the offensive numbers enough that the next contract is going to be a real problem in that there's no way he'll ever really live up to it. And I, I th- I'm legitimately worried about that. Um, and and the, the defensive thing, the defensive zone responsibility, I mean, it, it has to, it has to pick up from him. And, and, I mean, it has to pick up from Landeskog. And when Rantanen comes back, it really has to pick up from him, too. There's no doubt about that. But Landeskog, we always make the argument. Landeskog has to be on that line to be the adult, 
right? To kind of be the rock for the for the two kids. Yeah. And he just has not been at that level this year. And I'm <sighs> I'm just disappointed um so far this year with the all-around play uh, of of 92. They've been able to mask it with a lot of the winning, but it's it's not going to uh, I mean, you can put it this way. Despite the top line regularly getting their points throughout games, most nights you cannot call them the Avs' best line. I think that's probably fair. There have been a lot of games where it's like, oh, they're the top line, but eh, there's another line kind of outshining them. If we were to go right. every, if we were to go through every game that they've played this year, they have been like the clear cut top line in the Calgary game. Off the top of yeah. my head, they were absolutely the top line in that game. But since and then, then after that, it's arguable. And it, it's it's a nice problem to have when you get three goals from your second line one night, three goals from your third line the next, and right. things like and that. And like we say this under the caveat of all of these guys are still producing points at a stupid rate because they're unbelievably talented. Yeah, right. and they're finding exactly. ways. You know, they're finding a way to pot a goal every single night to keep the point streaks going and all of that. But really, the dominant play has not been there like we saw from last year and. When Rantanen comes back, I think if they have another week or two like that, they we need to really revisit the conversation of of breaking the lineup because yeah, I'm I'm with you. The on process that. is not matching the results, and at some point, those when the process is not there to replicate those those results, uh, you're not going to continue to see them. No matter how good these guys are, there will be a point where those results dry up. And you want to try to kickstart the process before that happens, and you lose games because of it. So they need to. This is this is maybe the unintended uh, blessing in disguise here uh, it, with the Rantanen injury is that they're forced to play without Rantanen, and maybe they're forced to get some of that mojo back, and maybe maybe they've learned how to kind of lean on each other as a crutch a little too much as a line. And now with, with Miko gone, Nate is going to have to feel, okay, I've got to go back to being the man. I have to go back to dominating games. And if that's the result of the, the ranted and injury, assuming they don't lose all these games, then maybe the ranted and injury still has a chance to produce, produce something positive. Yeah. For sure. I think to sum up the situation, the Evs would love Comfort to fit into that role and just plug in place. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of fluidity there. And at the end of the day, McKinnon needs to be the top dog. And if you are in need of a top dog electrician, for over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the DNVR back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. 
Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. We'll be back in segment two with your questions. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution with Rudo and AJ. We covered the big question of the day, but we got a bunch of other ones as well. So we figured we'd try and hit on a few of them. A lot of questions about prospects, presumably also related to this Rantanen situation. First one I want to start off with is from Feral American, that being Martin Kaut. Do you think he makes the NHL this year? And what is his ceiling? What kind of player would a maxed out Martin Kaut look like? Oh, man, I'm not sure. Um... I think the ceiling for him is a really hard read as well. The the ceiling is because, and I, I will forever maintain this, no matter what, I will forever maintain this, but he is going to be a better NHLer than AHLer. He is going I to believe s- that by a mile. He is going to stand out in a structure with talented players that he can play off of uh, and that just will not exist in in the AHL. It's a little too chaotic. It's still a little bit too under underdeveloped, uh, which some guys thrive on and become, and it forces them to become the man. I'm hoping that that's what happens with Kout, but knowing his personality, uh, it's really not a good fit. Like personality wise, it's not a fair expectation for him to just dominate like that. He is a guy that needs to be in a certain environment to succeed. Uh, and that environment is, it's honestly the NHL. We've seen the talent. We've seen, you know, we saw it in in preseason. And I think right now he's just a victim of the Avs having 15, 16 guys that they're comfortable with at the forward spot. Even, even, you know, with a rant and an injury, there's no call-up because they're just going to drop Nachushkin in. They're going to, you know, Bednar talked about uh, Kamenev today and said, hey, we really like the way that he's practiced, but we can't, we can't find a spot for him right now because our centers are going too well. Oh no, like that's a such a weird, like quote unquote problem, you know? And with with Kout, it's you want to see him play a certain kind of game in the AHL, and you always want to reward guys who are playing well in the AHL with call-ups. You don't want to just be like, well, he's our prospect, and so we're going to prioritize him. He was a first rounder, and but you kind of want to, like. If you're if you're having the conversation between Martin Cowder, Jason Megna, and you say, "Well, Megna had a really good preseason," Megna's also shown over a hundred NHL games that he doesn't have it. And you do want to say, you know, this is this is one of our young guys that we think is going to be part of the part of the group moving forward. Let's give him a taste, you know. This so it's with Cout. The ceiling is a really hard read. I don't feel like I have a very good read on the ceiling. I've always kind of said like a middle six guy, but it. I think he's just a guy that's going to. Right now, he looks like the easiest replacement for Colin Wilson ever. He looks just like Colin Wilson, like play style wise. Like they are very easy to just be like. Well, he's just going to play that role and do that job, and I think that. Uh, that's that's where my expectations of him fitting into the lineup kind of are. How well he does with that, I don't know. Because if he plays next to, 
this like weird possessed version of Tyson Jost that we saw over the weekend, you know, if, if that's the guy that, that Tyson Jost is going to be more, more nights than not in the NHL, I think that Cowd is going to be a very good compliment there. And that could be a very strong, like third line. If Donskoy ends up back down there and Cowd ends up next to Kadri and Burakovsky down the road, you know, that's a different, a different situation. He has to elevate that game offensively and you don't feel as good about it because there's a lot of pressure to be a 50 point guy in that situation. Uh, I think I, he could do both though. Like I really, yeah. I think he's capable of both. It's just that he's got to, de- he's got to get the development going down in the AHL. A lot has been made of the zero points for him, for Bowers, uh, for, for Greer, you know, the, the Eagles are after kind of a weird start and the, the Eagles are also playing a lot of veterans in their top six. So when other, when we, you know, when other people who cover the abs take weird side swipes at them, no, not knowing anything about what's going on with the Eagles, you can ignore that because they don't know what's going on. They aren't paying attention. They just looked at a box score and said, oh, zeros. I know all I need to know. And it just reinforces whatever belief they already have. So, you know. It's tough, though, right? Not only what you said there, but I see a lot of the same people saying that that are all about Ryan Graves in the NHL. And that's exactly, as you were describing, Couch, someone who fits better in a more systemic role in more structure that the NHL has. Ryan Graves was the exact same story with that. He was not a big producer in the AHL. His defense was extremely spotty. He gets into the NHL, has teammates, line mates that he knows where they're going to be and knows how to play off of much, much better, and he looks great. And and that's – I know it's weird to compare a defenseman to a forward, but in that regard, I fully expect the same thing out of Cout once he hits the NHL level. And if you're not watching the AHL games, you cannot – understand what Cout is bringing to the table. And the other, the other, I would add um, one of my favorite examples of this was Kevin Shattenkirk. And I know I've brought this up before, not good in the AHL. Got up to the NHL, never left, like just immediately fit. What's the common, what is the common trait between Martin Cout, Ryan Graves and Kevin Shattenkirk? It's all IQ. None of them are great skaters. It's all, it's all IQ. All of three of those guys understand how to play the game at a high level, and they thrive playing next to guys where they they can rely on them with the increased structure, with all of those different aspects that we've already talked about. So I don't need to repeat it again. But all of those guys will have thrive in those areas. Yeah, you can be the smartest player ever, but you can't make your teammates smarter. It's just a fact that NHL players in general, are going to have that higher level of IQ when compared to the AHL. Yeah, and what do I think Couch ceiling is? I do think it's a middle six guy. I wherever you need him, it could be, it could be 30, uh, 35 points. It could be fifty five points. It could be twenty goals. It could be ten goals. It just kind of depends where they fit him in, what job they give him. Uh, because I think that's going to play a big role in the kind of production. He's a guy that will play off of the talent around him and whose level can rise and and kind of fall with the situation that he's being put in. So it's very hard to get a feel on the future, but I still think it's very bright, and I'm still very excited about him as a prospect. Five pointless AHL games doesn't do anything to damper that, especially knowing uh, that he's 
he's not getting significant playing time. Yeah. The Eagles are leaning on their vets, particularly in their forward core. Way too much for my liking, but we don't need to get into that. Let's go with a fun question instead. Smoothlay asked over on the DV- the DNVR on one of our podcasts. There's no wrong way to cheer, but which is the most correct? Let's go Avs, let's go Avs, or let's go Avalanche. Which one, AJ? Um, I like let's go Avs personally. Uh, I think that it. I think it just to the ear. It sounds good. And it's it's very effective at drowning out opposing cheers because abs is short. Yeah. And it's sharp. And so you're able to get back into let's go abs, let's go abs while they're saying whatever their stupid team name is. Uh, if you're going let's go avalanche, then it's just turning the, the, the arena sounds like let's go burger with a burger. And I don't like that as much. I like the sharpness of abs personally, just to my ear. I like the sound of it. That's the way it is. It should be. Let's go abs. Well, of course we agree on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one of the last games I went to purely as a fan was the abs playing Edmonton back when Edmonton was terrible and the abs were not exactly great either. And the Let's Go Avalanche chant, just like you said, devolved into Let's Go Edmontanch. Yeah. And it's like, what is this? Is this a neutral site game? I can't even tell. Yeah. It, so it makes me it makes me think of that uh uh that funny internet meme from a few years ago with the dog attacking the sprinkler. Where yeah. the sprinkler is is like shooting into his mouth and it, the caption is warp garble. Yep, exactly. That's what it sounds like to my ear. Every time every time I hear it, that's what I that's like the mental image that it con- conjures up. Cuz it just it's just like mishmash and you're like, uh, "Okay." All right. How about this though? Let's go Avs or go Avs go. I don't like go Avs go. It it just makes me think of a South Park episode. <laughs> okay. There it makes was, me think of the Leafs, so maybe South Park is better than that. At least there, there was a there was a South Park episode called "Go God Go," and it just makes me—I don't know why—it just makes me think of that, though. <laughs> All right, it's a All really right, arbitrary fair. reason to not like a chant, but I don't, and so that's just it. Chants are pretty arbitrary as it is, to be fair. So <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We can go ahead and end segment two there. We spent most of it talking about Martin Kaut. So (laughs) I guess we were pretty passionate about that one. But we got a a number of other questions coming up for you in segment three. But first, you guys know how awesome the DNVR fam is, especially all of those of you that have come out to some of our watch parties. But we also have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Just like Denver Rubber Company, Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They'll show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all of the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the costs of the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of the costs. And here's what you need to do. 
head to their website or Facebook page, which you can find at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for other homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Third and final segment of the DNBR Avalanche podcast is AJ sings a bit to clear his throat down there. I'm Rudo. He's still AJ. We are presented by The Green Solution. We're answering your questions, starting off with another little fun one. We talked last week about your favorite Canadian candy, but this week, Travis asks, what's your favorite Halloween candy? And he knows you're not much for candy, but there's got to be something. I know this, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't down with this, but I I love candy corn. Wow. Okay. We disagree on that for yeah. sure. I, I mean, you and I, the area in which we disagree by far the most is in the realm of food. It does seem to be food. I do love pickles. It's yeah. true. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> but no, I honestly, I love candy corn. Like I, I don't know what it is, but like I could, I am like a, candy corn wood chipper during halloween season i have no problem just getting a bag of that and just nom, 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 nom. what it tastes and has the texture of like cardboard to me i don't get it maybe i like cardboard man why are you judging okay you no, and my and dog can I get do, together i do like uh uh I, I do like the variations of candy corn too because they've got like some like different flavor profiles for them I, I like all those too. I don't know what it is. I like uh, I like the texture of them. I like it on my teeth. I think it feels good. Um, it's like you're wearing like braces made of sugar. You think that feels good? Uh, I mean, I did have braces for a long time, so maybe it just brings it back for me. I don't know, man. Uh, I I've always liked them. I think they're tasty. I, I enjoy the process of eating them. I like to eat them by color. Very like. So I eat like one at a time, very slowly. You eat it like a third at a time. Yeah. All right. Because I bite the little, the, the just, just the lol, just the tip right off, and then the next <laughs> section off, and then whatever's left, and nope, yep. down, down the hatch. Delicious. So you just turn into like a hamster for Halloween, basically. Kind of, dude. Like, kind of. Like, I really do like uh, candy corn. Uh, if I had to go with like an actual like like a candy. Uh, like a like a candy bar. Uh, I would probably go with Kit Kat because I also eat that systemically. I I bite like the very Chunk top off, of it off, yeah. and then I peel it apart layer by layer and eat it that way. So, P.S. I eat my sandwiches like that too. <laughs> top piece of bread first, and then lettuce piece, and then yeah. Like so, I what I do is I eat like half the sandwich as intended. Because that's the point. Uh, but then I was, will start to peel them apart. Is this like everything? Like burgers and stuff too? Yeah. I literally, I had a, I made a burger for lunch today and uh, I ate about, I literally, I ate a half the burger. And then after that, uh, I ate the top bun and then uh, I nibbled away at just the burger and then ate the bottom bun. I don't know why it is, dude. I just. All right. So there's going to be somebody that hears this and is convinced of a serial killer, but 
I honestly like I don't know why I don't know when I started doing it because it has not always been that way. But I did start doing it, and now I'm just like, this is delicious. This is this is my life now. I mean, hey, if you think it tastes good, go for it. I don't. I don't think there's anything I, that could save candy corn for me, though. Yeah, well, and with candy corn, it's just a total like I know how people are. Candy corn is like one of those things that just incites strong feelings in it people. Does. It really does. You know, it's it's just one, and it's it's funny because like a lot of those conversations are like we all have had them a million times, but candy corn is like like the hidden relationship ender that just lurks once a year. <laughs> You know, couples start dating in, in like March and everything is great. The world is amazing. And then they get to Halloween and it's like the candy corn thing is just like that and black licorice, man. Oh, and see, that's disgusting. Yeah, no, it's awful. That's disgusting. That's just like, like you just like eating straight garbage. <laughs> uh, Let's see if I had to pick. I would say there are three in contention for me. One, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And the cups, not the pieces or anything. It has to be the actual cups. Do you like the bars that they've been making the last few years? I've never actually had the bars. Really? Okay. I, I'm a very, like, once I find something I like, I don't stray a ton a lot of the time. Oh, so. dude, I hear you. Uh, I'm very much the same way. I, I like what I like, and, like, I'm, I'm not going to get too adventurous because it's like why i'm taking a chance on something i don't like when there's stuff out there that i guaranteed do exactly (laughs) um but yeah peanut butter cups snickers as an Mm. actual like bar and then very very specifically blue raspberry dum-dum suckers wow that is okay (laughs) that is specific they're the only like I really there are some other ones of dum dums that are okay. A lot of them I like don't like at all, but those ones are like S tier. You cannot get any better than that. Oh, also, I mean, for the OG listeners of this podcast, way back in the day when JJ was around, gummy bears. Yeah, I can I always love, get I love gummy bears. Also, uh peach rings. I really like peach yep, rings too. Peachos are super good. So um, tasty, man. I don't really consider those to be like Halloween candy. though. I don't either, but I mean, we're kind of in this room now. True, um, true. The other, the other like gross thing that mo- I would say most people think is gross that I'm a big fan of. I like circus peanuts. That those like literally are styrofoam. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, and that's not something I can eat very many of, but I will. Anytime I see them in like a grocery store and they've got like that little or a grocery store in a, in a gas station, like when I'm on the road and I'm like, oh man, there's like five of those things in there for two bucks. This is a terrible deal. I'm doing it. <laughs> I I don't know what the deal is. I have that problem with Slim Jims. Oh, this dear. isn't even candy at all, but like every time I walk into a gas station, I'm like, there's a Slim Jim. I kind of have to get it. See, I, well, and I love uh, Slim Jim. Yeah, me too. Back when I worked at Airbnb, I used to get a, I, uh, for, I would walk in in the morning and I would get, uh, two Slim Jims and a Mountain Dew every day. Yeah. A Slim Jim, ranch corn nuts and a Mountain Dew was my go-to. Get out of here. I also love ranch corn nuts. Those are also really good. I mean, who doesn't love ranch corn nuts? Yeah. It's the other flavors of corn nuts where it's everything is super hit or miss, but everybody yep. that likes corn nuts likes ranch corn nuts. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. 
Enough food talk. Yeah. Avs Germany asks, if you could see one hockey game outside of North America, where would it be? And he means alternate leagues, not like global series NHL games. The Memorial Cup. In Canada. Oh, That's still North America. He said outside North America, oh. not the U.S. So I was just, denied. I was just thinking about the United. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. I have two answers. One for leagues that are real and exist. Finland, the Liga, is what is the one I would love to see in person. It does have some of that European atmosphere to it, but it's also that weird. It's not the super wide, super slow paced European ice, the international ice. It's like that halfway between NHL and that size. So that's the most exciting European hockey that I get to see. So I would love to go to one of those in person also because Liga is low key becoming like one of the top three leagues in the world. And then the other one I would love to see is to go to like Africa and see that. I think it was the Zimbabwean team. I can't even say the word Zimbabwe, but that Sidney Crosby and them played with a couple years yeah. ago. That'd be pretty wild just to like hang out with people that barely even know what hockey is and watch yeah. them play. I think I would go with New Zealand. Um, okay. Because I want to go hang out with Casey Lucas, uh, you know, former former BSN Avalanche writer for us who calls games down there for the, the New Zealand League. No way. I've probably heard him. And uh, yeah, she's, she's great, dude. Um, and she's really... She's one of the best people on the planet, and uh, she is a lot of fun. She was up. She came up here um, with her now husband for the stadium series game against Detroit a couple years ago, and stayed at our place. And it was it, she's just an awesome human being. And I've always wanted to get down to New Zealand and, and check out their hockey scene because it's small, but it's really passionate. And their infrastructure is constantly improving. Like they finally got plexiglass for the <laughs> arena. So, uh, cause they did have like a bunch of netting around the arena outside of like the regular sized boards. Uh, and then they got glass and like, it's constantly, constantly getting better. Right. And I'm, I don't mean, I, I just think that that would be a lot of fun to go down there uh, to see and to see Casey, obviously anywhere, in any of the big European leagues, I think it'd be great to catch a game in all of them. You know, the KHL, the SHL, the Liga, uh, the NLA, the DEL, any of those leagues would be awesome to see any of those. I just don't really have a strong preference, but if I could see a, a hockey game anywhere, I'd want to go check out uh, the New Zealand league and hang out with Casey. I can get down with that. The, Shout out to both the NZ IHL and the yep. AIHL, the Australian League, for helping me through many a sleepless night during the boiling hot summers. Yeah, I uh, I used to listen to the games uh, just to listen to her column, and it was it was a lot of fun, man. She's she's awesome. Um, I'm not sure what all she's up to uh, with the hockey stuff anymore because I know she got super busy with her ten other jobs. But shout out to her for being an awesome human being. Oh, yeah. Always a good spot. One yeah. final question. This comes from Christopher over on the DNBR.com. 
I would be interested to hear what are you got what are your guys' favorite near trades you've been privy to during your time covering the team? I've officially only been covering them for four months now, so not even four months. So I don't really have much to say here, but I, I know AJ's got a couple gems. Yeah, the uh the near misses on Jonathan Duran probably stick out the most. Um obviously there were ten different deals with Matt Duchesne that were close-ish that felt close-ish, you know, at one point. Um Tyson Berry to Vancouver on draft night this last year uh was as far as I can tell, like done. Yeah. Everybody, everybody thought that it was happening. Uh, all the parties involved thought it, that it was happening and then it just didn't. So I think that one and, and that one would have been fascinating because I haven't nailed it down. Uh, but that, that would have been, I think, I think the abs would have been, I probably would have taken that over the Toronto deal that they got. And I say that as a very big Nazem Kadri fan. Very interesting. So, um, but the, the Drew Ann deal where they, they thought that they had that deal done. Speaking of stadium series uh, in time for the stadium series a couple years ago, where they, you know, they, or they were at least, they talked about it. And that would have been like, a big moment, right? Oh, hey, his first ever game with the Avs is the stadium series. And Drew Ann and McKinnon reunited, you know, it would have been a whole thing. Yeah, Patrick Wall always had a flair for the theatrical. Well, and he loved Jonathan Drew Ann. You know, when he was when he was GM of the Remparts, he tried to trade like half their organization to get him. And Halifax said no. And then they got into the NHL and he was like, well, McKinnon's better. So we're going to draft him. But now we have to try to trade for that dude. So, you know, and it, it, it would have, you know, it obviously would have cost them their 2016 first rounder, uh, which of course is Jost's. And so half the fan base immediately is okay with that. Um, but it's, you know, the, the specifics of it were interesting enough that, you could look at it and say they might have been better off with that than what they did. Uh, but I also don't think Duran, like Duran is okay. You know, he, he has not hasn't developed into the star. Yeah. Yeah. Has not, has not. Uh, I mean, he's like a 50, 50 point guy. He's our, you know, he's okay. And he's signed for a handful of years at a very reasonable price. And like, that's fine too. Um, I I just it's just all right, you know. You have to think. I mean, you're getting into the weeds here. Maybe Bednar never even becomes the coach if that happens, but certainly doesn't seem like Bednar's type of player. Well, you and I are going to get into some really interesting stuff next summer uh, about the uh, alternate histories of the ads. Yeah. Some of that stuff gets pretty wild when yeah. you start digging in. Yeah, I would also say that the uh, the other one that sticks out, um, a Duchesne Carolina deal. Uh, that was a draft day one too, wasn't yeah, it? Yep that that um, that was discussed once upon a time that would have involved Noah Hannafin and some stuff. So 
that could have been that could have been very interesting because obviously then Sam Gerard doesn't happen and they don't get Bowen Byram and you know who knows and Noah Hannafin is fast on his way to becoming this generation's Eric Johnson so which is like a good defender who maybe never quite lives up to that full potential yeah that's actually a really good way to put it for Hannafin I think yeah all right well We'll leave you with just a little a little taste there. Which Keep which of back. which of those was most intriguing to you? Uh personally the Duchesne one. Why is that? I, it was at a time where I think just about everyone had come to terms with him being gone. And most people, even at the draft, were already ready for that to be done and over with. And now in hindsight looking back how much of a stud does Sackick look like to end up not getting that deal done and then waiting out and just murdering Ottawa? Well, and and the underrated one in that was Nashville, man. Yeah. Because Nashville would not give up their first round pick um, and they would not give up Eli Tolvanen. Otherwise, they would have they would have been able to have both Duchesne and P.K. Subban. And in- instead, they turned around and they refused to give up that first. And then they gave up that first eventually for Ryan Hartman. Yeah. And then was- Eli Tolvanen is still sitting around in the minors trying to figure out how to play defense in the AHL. He had that great year in the KHL after in his in his D plus one and everybody in the in the inevitable Oh, one year later, redraft had him going ahead of Kale McCarr. And now it would cost them, it would cost them more than it would have cost to get Duchesne for them to get Kale McCarr. So it that that was that was one that I always thought was interesting because they just could not get over themselves. Oh, we've got to keep our first. So just in case I want to go after somebody at the deadline. Well, you passed on Matt Duchesne to get Kyle Turris, who, like, at the time, you know, of course, and some of this is hindsight, right? Knowing that Kyle Turris has been a disaster for them, at least last year. I think he's off to a very good start this season. But Turris was a disaster for them last year. You know, knowing that, I feel like, uh, you know, makes the Duchesne thing feel a lot worse because ultimately them giving up uh, – them giving up Gerard and a first rounder and Tolvanian just to get Duchesne straight up doesn't really feel like that big of a deal. Yeah. It's, it's a three-way trade where you look at the end results and you go, the Avs are so, so far ahead of both of the other teams in the deal that it's just laughable. Yeah. And, and obviously like the Ottawa part of that is just like a mess. Because of every, yeah. everything that happened with that, whole no need franchise. to really rehash all yeah. that out again. Yeah, but that was the one that I thought. I, I thought the the with Nashville was the most interesting. I thought the Carolina one was strange because they just seemed so stubborn about it. You know, like they just seemed so like we refuse to go and do this. We are we want to go do this. We have the pieces to do this. But we we just will not do it, and then they ended up moving Hannafin anyway. Yeah, a year later, and and did a great job with it. Like that that might have ended up being a saving grace for both of them. 
because they did a great job moving Hannafin in the Dougie Hamilton deal, and the Avs did a great job moving Matt Duchesne on their own. It, I mean, yeah, obviously the Duchesne side of things worked out, but it is interesting on Carolina's side that you look at them now and you go, boy, they really didn't need Duchesne, did they? Um, I, I still think that center is maybe the one area where I'm iffy on that team, but no faith, but I mean, ultimately like they, the guy they drafted with the pick that they would have had to give up in that deal is going to be the one that plays that role behind Sebastian Ajo in, in Netches. Yep. So, you know, I mean, it's pick your poison. Very much so before we, uh, we get too much deeper into the weeds on what could have been around the NHL. Probably a a good place to call it, but just kind of wrapping up things. We have going to Vegas tomorrow. Sands Rantanen. They've never won in that building. What's it going to take? Repeat the question. The Avs play Vegas tomorrow Uh in the afternoon. Uh They've never won in Vegas. What's it going to take to get that first W in that building? Goaltending. Make it easy. Yeah. Bill um, Grubauer, come to play. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Gruby. He's got to get the shutout for it to happen. Uh, that place has quickly turned into a house of horrors for the Avs, uh, except in the preseason. Um, I think that that's, uh, you know, Nevada Day arguably changed the fortunes of the Avs two years ago. Time to get it back. There you go. A lot of this season seems to be about exacting some revenge. The Avs yeah. have not forgotten those blowout losses of the past. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a some of these guys are. I mean, obviously you got proud dudes, but some of these guys have, have taken some hits. You know, they've got some NHL scars, and now that they're good, I'm sorry, but there's no way they're not thinking about exacting revenge on everybody who made them look bad, and arguably nobody made them look as bad as. The expansion Golden Knights blowing them out seven to nothing in their ninth ever game. Yeah, I got no argument with that. That was before everyone knew Vegas was hella legit. <laughs> right. So if revenge is what they need to run on without Rantanen or revenge for Rantanen, why not? Even though nobody but himself heard him, heard him. But yeah, go out there and, and get a piece. We're going to go ahead and end it there as. The Avs do have the back-to-back. We will be back tomorrow with a post-game pod talking about the Vegas game, maybe previewing the Ducks game coming up after that. But as always, thank you for listening, and you will hear from us again tomorrow. You guys may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Koningsberg experience, a pretty rough hangover experience after the Broncos draft party and preseason game at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, this video is worth checking out on Facebook at DNVR Broncos. Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist, sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off your first IV drip. Visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more, or you can just download their app and book your appointment. That's HYD20 to save 20%.